T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome back into Home and Home, where we go from our homes to your home markets of your favorite NFL teams across the country. Home and Home Radio.com Sports Original. We are brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. Heck of an NFL weekend. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker is home in Pennsylvania on an ugly, wicked, rainy day out on the East Coast. A lot to get to as we whip around red zone style to all the best callers from your team's host rants. We really want to give you the pulse of what's happening in the home markets across the country after some intriguing NFL action. Ross Tucker, happy if there's such a thing. Monday morning to you, sir. I know you're a little bit under the weather. This is the flu season and welcome to it, my friend. My turn last week. Your turn today, but let's start before we get the gritty details of that with your big takeaway from this weekend in the NFL. Well, I mean, there's a bunch. We could dive into the Baker Mayfield comments or the game of the year, which I know we'll talk about. But my big takeaway, Dave, was that the 49ers and the Ravens, as I've said in my podcast and my power rankings, are the two best teams in the NFL And I don't think it's by a little bit. I think it's by a decent margin. For the 49ers to go to New Orleans after that hard-fought game against the Ravens, play the way they did, win that game in the fashion that they did, super impressive. And the Ravens went up to Buffalo, who has a very good football team. Ravens took care of business. That game wasn't really even as close as the score indicated. Meanwhile, Patriots are struggling. They lost again. Chiefs don't really look that great. The Seahawks lost last night. So the other teams that would be in the top five of anybody's power rankings aren't really nearly in my mind as good as the Ravens and the Niners. So I don't know if it'll be Ravens and Niners Super Bowl. I hope it is. I think that they're the two best teams by a decent margin. I think yesterday proved that yet again. Yeah, college football, you've got three teams clearly pulling away in the NFL. It does feel like two. I was stunned that I did not include Seattle in that conversation because prior to that Sunday nighter against the Rams, I actually thought Russell Wilson remained my MVP and the Seahawks I would take prior to last night on a neutral field. And certainly if Seattle looked to get home field, that place is impossible to go to and win. I thought that was going to be the team that won the NFC until they laid an egg. First game without an offensive touchdown since week one, 2017. That changed everything, as did that game of the week. But my one big takeaway has to be the Hail Mary from quarterback John Elway the greatest of all time or second greatest of all time to Tom Brady, whose Hail Mary seems to have connected finally on a quarterback. Drew Locke 
the rookie out of Missouri. They said he wasn't ready. They said he was a project. He looked outstanding last night, yesterday afternoon, carving up the Houston Texans, 300-plus yards, three touchdowns, and to me, a swagger that I haven't seen in a quarterback in an awfully long time in Denver. A confidence, some it factor, a defense that believes in him. Von Miller called him a fucking rock star in an offensive line that protected him, and they too believe in him. They labeled him, they nicknamed him Buzz Lightyear. And for those of you that missed the Denver Broncos whooping of the Houston Texans, the greatest part to many was the bite Buzz Lightyear touchdown celebration by Drew Locke firing laser beams out of his giant play formation wristband on his left wrist. Very confident, very poised, and I feel a lot better about my Broncos future. Although, Ross, boy, do I feel old as hell. Buzz Lightyear debuted in 1995. Drew Locke asked afterwards about that movie, said, I actually wasn't born yet when Toy Story came out. So a couple of things. I'm glad you referenced at the end that you're a Broncos fan because I want to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit. Dave's a diehard Broncos fan. I mean, who's that? Von Miller behind you right there? He's got a Broncos t-shirt Von behind me. He's a diehard Broncos fan. So forget all the John Elway, Hail Mary, all that bullshit. I just want to know what's it like for you as a fan, and it's only been two games, but what's it like for you as a fan to feel like, oh my gosh, we, we might actually have one. We might actually have a good quarterback for the first time in a long time. Truth be told, I was texted by our boss uh, throughout this game about it, and I I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic because the Elway era as an executive has been ugly. So as much as I love the tools, the confidence, the poise, the swagger, and that it factor I talk about, I'm pessimistic because of the last eight years of football and how ugly it's been overall. I would describe the Broncos quarterback situation as a shit sandwich. And for me, with the sandwich, the most important thing, Ross, is the meat. I don't care about the bread so much. I care about the meat. The bread is just kind of worthless. And here is the meat of the Broncos quarterback shit sandwich since John Elway became the executive. The meat starts with Brock Osweiler in 2012, Zach Dysart, Trevor Simeon, Mark Sanchez, Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler Part 2, Chad Kelly, Case Keenum a year ago, and Joe Flacco. That's a lot of shit. Now, the bread is starting to look good because the bread on the outer side of all that meat first was Peyton Manning, who John Elway got to come play in Denver, win a Super Bowl, and on top is Drew Locke. And again, long way to go, but what I find particularly interesting about this win is Drew Locke carved up Houston. A week ago, Houston stifled the greatest of all time, Tom Brady, who could do nothing right against them. A couple of days later, Peter King reported that the Broncos would be in on the Tom Brady discussion. And I was excited. And then I thought, no, no, no. no. I love the GOAT. He's perfect. 
I don't want him on my team. I don't want Tom Brady coming to Denver next year at his age. And the game he's showing right now is less than mediocre. Spend $20 million on Tom Brady that we could spend elsewhere on wide receivers, on perhaps uh, another weapon for this, for this defense. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm going to have to pass on Tom Brady in Denver next season. Am I crazy, Ross? No, I think what you should be right now is excited about Drew Locke, and let's see how he does in the last three games. The problem is that injury he suffered stinks because I don't know if even three more games is enough of a sample size for them to really make a decision about what they're going to do at quarterback. But if he plays well these next three, he'll be the guy. It's just it's like who do they have come in and compete with him or who else is there right. just in case. I'll say this to you, Dave. Um, I met Drew last year at the draft in April. Uh, you know, in April. His personality is awesome. He is like an outgoing, great, awesome kid. I really – like – like, I hope he's good because he's fun, man. I, I, I don't remember what we were talking about, but he yeah. was smiling. We were laughing like he is legit awesome. And it's not as important about as kind of player he is, but it'd be pretty cool if your quarterback's not only good, but he's an awesome dude too. Absolutely. And that's what I mean when you hear Von Miller call him a fucking rock star, when you hear the offensive line talking about him as Buzz Lightyear, Look, this is a strange comparison, but though I didn't think he was the long-term answer, when Tim Tebow was the Broncos quarterback, there was some genuine excitement, and there was a general feeling on that team that we don't know why, we don't know how, but we have confidence that this guy is going to lead us to a win. Look at the way Baltimore players have reacted to Lamar Jackson. Now, granted, He's been record-breaking on the football field, but the way players react to him on the football field, it seems like they just have a greater sense of confidence about where he's going to take them. Even though Joe Flacco kept you in a lot of football games, you always felt like, hey, we could win almost every game. You never felt like Joe Flacco was going to be the reason that they won. That's the first time yesterday I've had that feeling since Peyton Manning, and I'm not talking the Super Bowl season, because that season he was mediocre or less. It was the prior record-breaking season that I had that feeling. But Drew Locke, just five incompletions, 22 of 27, 309, three TDs, 38 Broncos points. Yes, I'm an admitted Bronco fan. I've got it off. <laughs> I'm done with it. I can move away from it. But the Broncos look like they have some future. They'll need someone to compete with them next year. I'll tell you what, if Terod Taylor is available next year, if he's not back with the Chargers, I don't know, late in that game, he sure looked intriguing to me. But let's get the red zone reaction coming this morning. And we start that reaction in Boston because the New England Patriots, they look like a team without answers this morning. They are a gimmicky offense. That's what they are. They're an offense that needs trick plays to generate big offense. But the big takeaway on Monday morning is the officiating. The NFL has a major problem on their hands. It's going to get worse. We're going to have a repeat of last year in New Orleans. It feels inevitable. Let's listen to some of the callers, and then we will break down the two 
unforgivable blown calls by these officials. Here's WEI. It's Gary in Rhode Island. Hello, Gary. Hi, Gary. Hey, how you doing, you guys? Good, Gary. Uh, yeah, I, I, the reason why I called up, I have respect for all three of you, especially Fred and Steve, yeah, who played the game. But this referees, whether it's basketball or everything, I'm looking at it. I, I really believe the fix is in. And I'm yes. wondering, you guys played this game. I'm looking at it as a fan now. I'm, I'm a 49er fan, but I'm looking at the Pats. Oh, my God, did they get ripped off? And the Lakers the other night were up by 10, and then OKC made the point spread to four with a minute and two seconds left. This is, like, ridiculous now. It's like... Okay, the only thing... the uh, only, and, and I'll let these two guys speak. Step away from the, they, they step Can away I say from one thing? Yeah. Twin River. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I would say this, Gary, that most of the country believes that New England has been getting breaks down for the last 20 years all from the officials. And I think that's a bunch of bull. So the officials are, of are, a bunch of are human beings who screw up, and tonight they screwed up. No, right. No. Screwed up. No, not yeah. three times They're in a row. They're not human beings. Four they times in a row. They screwed, they screwed up. Blatantly standing there with a the guy who's on the So you think it's fixed like Gary? Something's I going on. Either they're <laughs> unbelievably incompetent how about, how about or it's screwed up. Gary's right. Okay, so would you put, you have a multi-billion dollar uh, entity. Uh, would you risk bringing that down by having uh, uh, referees that are What's corrupt? the example? What's the example? I mean, what, well, what's the solution? You want me to prove a negative? No, I'm telling. I'm pr- proving you because it's no, so blatantly, obviously, what was going on there. And it's you mostly, can't it's be, mostly anti. It can't be that stupid. They're really bad, though. I mean, bad. Glenn, they're really bad. No, I no, mean, they were terrible. They got tonight. a third referee yeah. in basketball, and it's been worse than ever. It's, yeah. Listen, has has you have you ever seen a player have an off night? Not like that. I have, but it's like Never. really ridiculous. The problem was it was compounded tonight. This is Rob from Swampscott. Hey, Rob. Hey, guys. You, you almost stole my thunder, but I just have another take. The, the, the refereeing crew last night, did they recruit those guys out of, like, the Belmont Senior Center or something? Because <laughs> they couldn't have missed more key plays, and it's just real highlight. The door set one, but the door set one, I know Nick said that the guy was hanging on him. Not only was he hanging on him, he pinned his left arm to his body so he couldn't extend it. Yes. So that's that one. Then you, then you had um, the, the, the spot play where the ball should have been on the 39, but they put it on the 40. Correct. And even after replay, even after replay, they still screwed up the spot by a yard. Right. By a yard. And it just... Now, that said, okay, I complain about the refs. Let me just bring this out. One block punt, there's three points. One decision to not punt uh, and go for it on fourth and uh, – I'm sorry, one block field goal, that's three points missed. Mm -hmm. Another uh, decision to not go for a field goal on fourth and seven, and you didn't make it. So that's potentially six points right there. All right, so there are the callers on WEEI, our radio.com affiliate in Boston. You can check them out on the radio.com app. And if you missed that game, a lot of officiating issues come down to two key calls all in the same sequence. Travis Kelsey late in this game stripped. It would have been a scoop and score touchdown for the New England Patriots. They did review it and determine it was indeed a fumble recovered by the Patriots. But once again, they blew it dead and stopped the Patriots from scoring a touchdown. Move forward in that drive. Rookie wide receiver, Nikhil Harry, 
a beast mode effort by the rookie to get in the end zone. And even in real time, I've got an 11 year old kid in the house screaming touchdown and raising the arms. They blew that one dead saying he went out of bounds and the Patriots of course could not challenge it. You can argue all day that Bill Belichick blew a challenge. That's not the point. The refs blew it on two occasions. I have read several columns and heard hosts from around the country talk about how the Patriots had it coming and they had the tuck rule and this and that. I don't give a damn. I don't care about last year's AFC championships. The ref blew it on both occasions. Ross, how do they fix this? How big a problem does the NFL have on its hands? Well, it's kind of funny, Dave, because I, I tweeted this last night. I said, rough game for people that think the Patriots get all the breaks calls. <laughs> right now, Dave, it's got 1,100 retweets and almost 5,000 likes. It's, it's crazy because you either have all the Patriots fans saying, yeah, see, we don't get all the breaks, we don't get all the breaks, but then you have everybody else replying and saying, just like the caller said, they had it coming. They always do get all the breaks. Right. There's no question that over the last 20 years, there is a belief that the Patriots get most of the calls, most of the breaks, which is perhaps why it's so noticeable when they get the raw deal on a number of calls at home I would even say the Sammy Watkins catch that they spotted, they gave him like a yard better spot. And even after Belichick challenged it, they didn't overturn it. I thought that was significant as well. Look, pretty clearly, okay, the Patriots got screwed by the officiating, to which everybody else around the NFL is saying, welcome to our world. This is how it is sometimes. You get screwed by officiating. Uh, There's two different things here, Dave. There's number one, New England and their whole thing with officials. And then there's the bigger issue of the officiating in general, which is disappointing. It, it It really is disappointing. I don't know why it's gotten worse, but it has clearly gotten worse. And it's not all just technology and replay Like, those guys should know on the Travis Kelsey fumble not to blow it dead. They know that. And how do you say a guy goes out of bounds with such fervor when he didn't? Like, what are you looking at? It's really disappointing because I'm the type of guy, and that's what I say, by the way, Dave, that they should have this guy judge. Because, you know, for Belichick not have any more challenges and not be able to get that touchdown is really disappointing because Harry clearly scored. But... For the first time, the Patriots didn't get a lot of the breaks, in people's opinion, and it cost them. Tell you what, Dave, this is this is it's it's weird to say this with them being ten and three, but this is one of the worst Patriots teams I've ever seen. I mean, they got to block a punt, they got to get a touchdown on a flea flicker, they got to get a James White halfback option pass. I mean, they are pulling out all of the stops, and they scored sixteen points at home against the Chiefs, 16 points. I mean, it is it is a tough watch. Obviously, the officiating didn't help, but they're not a very good football team right now. Yeah, two plays 
for the Patriots over 20 yards. One was the flea flicker Brady to Edelman touchdown. The other one was, of course, the James White throw. So it is gimmicks right now that allow the Patriots to pick up yards and to score touchdowns. If not, it's a defensive score. It's a special teams play. But your point is a good one. They're 10-3. and three. Now their 21-game home winning streak is over. Rashad Breeland really clinched it. But it was the refs, I think, if you are a Patriots fan, it's the refs that stole that away from you. And now you look at Tom Brady. His big losses, they couldn't be more symbolic. Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, has the torch officially been passed? And what do you make of my first impression in this game, which is halftime, Tom Brady going to the locker room, and the Boo Birds are full out in Foxborough. Uh, well, I, I, that just makes me laugh because I can't wait till they see what it's like when Brady's not there anymore. I can't wait. They have very, very spoiled fans in New England who have known nothing but winning. Imagine booing a team that hasn't lost in front of you in three years or whatever it is. I mean, imagine that. That is unbelievable. And look, I get it. The offense was struggling. People were frustrated. They're used to better. But get a grip. I can't wait to see what these fans are like when Brady's not there anymore and when this Patriots run, this Patriots dynasty is over. They got a big-time wake-up call coming because it's pretty clear they don't appreciate them as much as they should. I thought you were wrong when you said that after the Brady era is over, you said that this place will be half empty. I learned last night at halftime, you were absolutely right. You get, Look, I love the fans' right to boo, and I always support it. I always stand up for it. But not a team that's won 21 straight games at home. Not a team that always seems to come out in the second half and find a way to win and make the adjustments. They certainly deserved the benefit of the doubt from those home fans. But let's listen to Tom Brady, not on the booze. Didn't have much to say about that other than the fact that he said a fan has a right. Let's listen to Brady and Belichick on the officiating. A lot of the circumstances in the game, no point talking about those, but... Um, Hopefully we've got a lot of football left and see if we can get back on track next week, and that's really all there is to it. What was the explanation the officials gave you on that Nikhil Harry looked to be Yeah, you have to talk to them about that. I'm not going to speak for them. Bill, did the officiating make it hard to get any sort of tempo and flow in that second half? Yeah, I don't know. Let's go to Tom Brady at the podium. I know you don't want to blame the officials, but do you realize you threw a touchdown pass, a legit touchdown pass to Nikhil Harry that was not reviewed whatsoever? And how frustrating is that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, yeah, it doesn't happen very often. How do you handle this mini losing streak with just three games left with the ultimate goal still in reach? Well, we just got to go out and try to play better and, and try to win, you know, next week's game. So uh, disappointing, but, you know, not going to feel sorry for ourselves. Try to go back to work and do a better job. Reported earlier in the day that the Patriots will not make an effort to re-sign Antonio Brown. That sound from our friends at WEEI in Boston. The Patriots will not go after Antonio Brown. That uh, was from Adam Schefter, kind of reconfirming some reporting from Tom Curran. So what are the Patriots, Ross? Are they a team 
that can still pull this out come January, provided they're at home? No, I don't think so. I, 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 don't, I, I would be very surprised. If they make it to another Super Bowl this year, wow, that, that would surprise me. And it is interesting, Dave, on some level, the three quarterbacks they've lost to this year. Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson. All three AFC teams, all three young, talented guys. It almost feels like on some level, a little bit of a, of a passing of the torch, if you will, from Brady to the next generation of Watson, Lamar Jackson, as well as Patrick Mahomes. Now, I wouldn't put it past the Patriots to maybe still get to the AFC Championship game. And who knows? They, they figure out a way. They, they still will only likely have to win two playoff games. And one of them at least will be at home to get to the Super Bowl. But I don't think it's happening this year. I mean, if, if they figure it out this year... Wow. I, I cannot imagine them beating the Baltimore Ravens. Can't see it. Cannot see it. And as for the Kansas City Chiefs, the difference yesterday was that defense looked like a much improved unit. But then again, take it with the grain of salt, given that Patriots offense and their lack of punch. Let's hear from Sports Radio 610 in Kansas City. Is this a defense that gives the Chiefs a legitimate shot to make something happen come late January? This defense is now playing at a Super Bowl level, and Steve Spagnuolo, guys, owns Tom Brady. We saw it in Super Bowl, whatever it was, in 2007-42, and we saw it again on display yesterday. They blitzed him. They confused him. They messed with him. They did exotic things. That was the Steve Spagnuolo defense that I wanted to see the day that they hired him. And here we are finally in December against the dragon that could never be slayed by this organization. And that Steve Spagnuolo defense stepped up and raised its level of play to the way that Spags coordinates and owns Tom Brady. This morning in Boston, I want to hear Tom Brady say, Steve Spagnuolo is my daddy. <laughs> Sports Radio 610 in Kansas City. We'll hear from Tom Brady, as we usually do on the Greg Hill Show, WEI, later this morning, that he will not say, are you convinced, though, about Spag's defense? I'm feeling pretty good about it, yeah. I, I mean, this is now three games they've won where in a row where Patrick Mahomes hasn't had to be a superhuman. And I think we all believe, especially as he gets a little healthier with the hand issue and the knee, I think that we all think that they still have a lot of potential on the offensive side of the ball with Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins, that if the defense can play the way they've played lately, I think the Chiefs have a chance. I, I really do. I think the Chiefs are up there with the Ravens and the Patriots in terms of actually having a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Now, I said earlier I think the Ravens are clearly the best team, but I do think that this this defense now gives the Chiefs a chance that I didn't think they had earlier. Certainly, I think it gives them a chance. I'm not entirely convinced. Yesterday does nothing to prove anything to me. That Patriots offense is a mess. I thought they were good a couple of weeks ago. Yesterday is nothing to change my opinion of who the Kansas City defense is or is not. Now, another defense that's hard to figure out after the game of the week and the game of the NFL season was the San Francisco 49ers defense that we thought had to be the reason the 49ers 
would win a game against the New Orleans Saints, in particular in New Orleans. How on earth this game was at 1 o'clock Eastern time when it should have been in front of 30-plus million people at the very least at 4, if not Sunday night or Monday night football. Game of the year, without question. The 49ers were the 48ers. 48-46, they win it in New Orleans. 94 combined points on almost 1,000 yards of offense, 981 when all is said and done. And wouldn't you know it, there were officiating issues in that one, in that city of all places. I think they were resolved after everyone learned exactly what happened, but there was a fake punt situation, looked like an obvious interference, but the ref spoke clearly that the receiver is not protected by the same rules on a punting situation as he is on the other three downs. Yes, it was clearly interference. Don't have that protection on a punting situation. Let's listen to some angry callers nonetheless on 870 AM in New Orleans after a tough two-point loss. And Steven in New Orleans, you're on the point after on the New Orleans Saints radio network, Steven. Hey, Christian, uh, Bobby. Listen, I was at the game, and um, there's a couple of things I want to go over. First of all, I thought the fake punt was horrible. I mean, after I found out the rule, I understood exactly what the rule was. I said, so why? I, I believe that was a fourth and long. I don't think it was even fourth and short. So I thought that was a horrible call. I thought the coaches on the two-point conversion early, you had a 49er fan behind me say, that's going to come back to haunch, and sure enough, it did. And also, um, there's one other coaching, uh, oh, Tell me what happened on that last play to the tight end. Were we was and no no disrespect to Dave Aranda, were we playing press coverage? I mean, uh, the guy goes down and thirty something yards and a penalty on top of it. And one more thing before you answer that question, I agree with Bobby on these tickets. It's just like people complain when uh, say Californians move into another state and drive the price of property up so nobody can live. These people are buying tickets. They're they're. Uh, they're supplying their income when I'm sitting here on a waiting list waiting to get season tickets. Real Saints fans. These guys aren't real Saints fans. They're entrepreneurs. I want real Saints fans in there owning seats, not 20,000 Niners fans in there. It was pathetic. And I hang up and listen. Wow. Couldn't tell that from the broadcast. Per the officiating, what surprised me about the call, and again, uh, looked like Sean Payton was furious after the call and wanted interference. Later, he tried to elaborate, saying he was looking for a holding call. Ross, Sean Payton is on the competition committee. He's the one that helped make that rule that does not give a receiver protection on a fourth down situation. So why would he design a fake punt that looked, at least from my vantage point, to be relying on pass interference? Yeah, I have no idea. I, I, I'm not sure he knew the rule uh, because otherwise Oof. I don't really know what he's thinking he's going to get out of that. He looked upset afterwards. Guess what? Yeah. Too bad. That's the rule. I mean, when, when you are in punt formation, the end man in the line is not protected because he's – otherwise, Dave, you could just run a fake punt every time. You know what I mean? And Because the gunner – the guys are the yeah. jammers are holding up the gunner and they're grabbing him and they're hitting him and then you just throw the ball out there. Oh, it's interference. That rule is in place for a reason. And the officials get a lot of flack, and probably rightfully so. So that when they make a right decision and it's a good no call, they deserve kudos. 
They did the right thing there. It's funny because I was watching the red zone, Dave, and Scott Hansen, who does an unbelievable job, by the way, in the red zone, he was saying the same thing. How is that not interference? How is Sean Payton not challenging it? Because a lot of people don't understand or didn't know that that was a rule, that that end man in the line of scrimmage, there is no, and there isn't really even holding either. I mean, there is, but it's the same holding as on the punt return. So it's almost like a Hail Mary that it has to be really egregious for them to call holding in that situation. So I thought it was, I, I, I agree with the caller. If you know the rule, then it's a really poor decision to run that fake punt in that situation. Yeah, it was. It would be strange if someone on the competition committee, any head coach, but one on the head uh, competition committee would not know that rule. But no one that watched that game should have taken officiating away from it. What they should take out of it is the offensive outburst of the season between two teams, two teams with very good defenses, in particular a San Francisco unit that was gashed. And the one narrative that's been consistent with the Niners throughout this season was that if you put them in that situation, they couldn't win it because Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't take his team solely and lead them to win in a hostile situation. And that's exactly what he did yesterday. Jimmy was unbelievable. Jimmy was just outstanding matching Drew Brees. They each had 349 yards passing. Brees did have five TDs to Garoppolo's four, but the play of the game that stands out, if you did watch it, the, so the Saints obviously go ahead with the Traquants with touchdown. Niners get the ball right back under a minute left. And who else? Who else are they going to go to but George Kittle, WWE character, who takes a crossing route, shakes off one tackler, drags three Saints about 10 yards, the final of a 40-yard completion. One guy hanging onto his face mask for dear life, just trying whatever he can to get... George Kittle down a 15-yard face mask led to the Robbie Gold game-winning field goal. All I could think of, Ross, is if I'm in the open field and I'm a safety, which I was, there's no one in the game today that I want to see coming at me less than George Kittle. Yes, I don't want to see Dalvin Cook or Zeke Elliott either. They're probably going to run me over. But George Kittle is the guy that I want to see the least coming at me in the open field. What about you? Uh, I love George Kittle. Yeah, I wouldn't want to see him. I don't, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm big and slow, so I guess I'd be okay with a guy trying to run me over as opposed to Lamar Jackson <laughs> breaking, uh, tearing both my ACLs at the same time. I mean, you see what Lamar Jackson does to guys? I'm pretty sure I would pull or tear something if it were me and Lamar in the open field. I think I'd rather just get run over with dignity by George Kittle than tear stuff thanks to Lamar Jackson, the open field. He did that again yesterday to Matt Milano, the outstanding Bills linebacker. You know, I thought the caller in New Orleans made some good points. How do you not have better coverage on George Kittle on fourth and two? Like, who do you think they're going to throw it to? I mean, that was horrific coverage. And then they couldn't get him down. And they're pulling his face mask, and he's still going. It was awesome. That game, because you're right, Dave. They both do have pretty good defenses. I mean, these are not, like, terrible defenses. To get 48-46 with two of the top 10 defenses in the in, in the NFL says a lot. 
it was just awesome. I mean, I like games where there are heroes and not goats. And there were so many heroes. I mean, they were down nine were the Saints. They come all the way back. So it's 20 to seven Saints. Niners come all the way back to get the lead. Then the Niners are up nine. Saints come back to get the lead. And then Jimmy G showed he could get it done in a clutch situation. And he did. Late. It was, I mean, that that was awesome. Game of the year, all that stuff. And proved yet again that the, that the Niners can win in a lot of different ways, which is why I think that they are uh, by far one of the two best teams in the NFL, along with the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, they, they certainly proved that. And they get the number one seed as well. Huge difference maker last night. They get the win. Seattle gets the loss, which really shifts things in the NFC. Because if San Francisco is that five seed and doesn't get a home game and has to start on the road, things could shake out very differently for them. And now it looks a lot different uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. These two teams, though, will meet. Last game of the season. I think that one is... Uh, Late December, and boy, is that going to be an outstanding, can't-miss game. Uh, December 29th, one of those teams looks like they'll get the five seed. And the image of of a car, when you might hit an, hit some roadkill or something, and it's just hanging on the back bumper. That's what George Kittle and that poor defensive back hanging on to his face mask. That's the image in my head this morning. You talk about Lamar Jackson, who now looks like the MVP, at least as per Russell Wilson's performance late last night. Lamar Jackson, not spectacular on Sunday, but good enough to win in Buffalo against a very good defense on the road, hostile situation. Doesn't get a lot going on the ground, but does go over the 1,000-yard mark and now is just on the heels of Michael Vick's all-time quarterback single-season rushing record, which he will break next week, if not the week after. So they get the win over the Buffalo Bills. And on the postgame, 105-7, the fan in Baltimore, a Steelers fan called in. Why? Because the Steelers fan was just so impressed with what they saw from Lamar Jackson. Hey, uh, gentlemen, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I'm a huge Steeler fan. I'm sorry uh, to hear that. I, <laughs> I bleed yellow and black, but, man, I tell you, this Raven team is just something else. I'm a football fan, number one, and they're just fun to watch. I mean, they can beat you uh, smash mouth. They can beat you with finesse. This Lamar Jackson, he is just no joke, and my eyes don't lie to me. This is the best team in the NFL. 105.7, the fan in Baltimore. Any argument, Ross? No. No, I think they are. Now, I think the Niners are right there with them, but I don't think there's any argument. I think that they are the best team in the NFL. Uh, you go up to Buffalo, who's got a very solid team, and you know it was at one point 24-9 maybe, maybe even better than that. Uh, they get it done in a lot of different ways. Lamar wasn't great throwing the ball. They went against a really good Bills defense that had just won on the road in Dallas. Ravens coming off that tough game against the Niners. Bills had extra time to prepare for the Ravens and rest after they won on Thanksgiving. It still didn't matter. And, and the Ravens defense, kind of like the Chiefs, Dave, the Ravens defense has been playing much better as of late. They held the Bills to a bunch of field goals. They were all over Josh Allen throughout. Marcus Peters has made a big difference for them on the defensive side of the ball. That is what gives the Ravens as good a chance to win the Super Bowl as any 
is that their defense is getting better when it had been kind of a liability earlier in the year. And Buffalo deserves a lot of credit for how improved they are, how good the defense is, and they're going to roll into the playoffs. What are they, 9-4 and four now? But look, at the end of the day, I think they exposed exactly who they are. That's a team that offensively is not going to stun anyone in January. Do not think Josh Allen is the complete deal. Not sold on him. I know the record's great. I know he's got great athleticism. Just doesn't feel like a guy that's going to deliver a late game heroics to my team. What I love about the Ravens is they clinch a playoff berth and they don't even blink. John Harbaugh goes to the microphone and said there was actually sounded like a mocking applause to him in the locker room by his own team. Like Major League Baseball, the image comes to your mind where people are popping champagne and celebrating all over the place, clinching the playoffs, and the Baltimore Ravens barely blink. They don't care. They're 11-2. The, they're and two. They are the number one seed, and they look like a team that has one goal and one goal in mind, and nothing short of that Super Bowl win is going to satisfy them. Interesting to see when Lamar Jackson breaks that all-time single-season record. Probably next week. Oh, and I forgot to mention Michael Thomas also going to break the all-time single-season reception record. Oh, yeah. He needs 22 catches the final three weeks to beat the record. He will get that done, and he will pad that record. That guy should be in the MVP conversation. We're going to take a quick break when we come back. We're going to hear from Joe Shasky, 95-7, the game out there in the Bay Area to talk about the mighty, mighty San Francisco 49ers in a sec. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. NFL's game of the week, the game of the year, was somehow played at 10 a.m. local time in San Francisco. The 49ers were the 48ers, 94 combined points, 981 yards of total offense, a huge win by the new number one seed in the NFC, the Niners. Let's bring in Joe Shasky, the butcher boy from 95-7, the game in the Bay Area. Good to see you, my friend. It's Ross Tucker and Dave Briggs. Go ahead, yell at all of us out here on the East Coast. Go ahead and gloat. I thought, we thought, most thought Jimmy Garoppolo could not put a team on his shoulders and lead them to victory the way he did yesterday. 
Oh, man, so many things to unpack from yesterday's game. Their defense, which was leading the way for the team, got shredded yesterday. Sean Payton, let's talk about him for a second. He's the Doc Rivers of the NFL. Is he a good coach? Absolutely. The guy whines on every single possession. He's crying left and right. And the Saints are one of the sneaky, dirty teams in the league. Did you see the final play of the game? The guy was ripping George Kittle's face mask for, what, 9, 15 yards? I mean, that was unbelievable. They cry and whine after every single play. Sean Payton's still not over Bounty Gate and the 49ers exposing him and Greg Williams uh, in the 2011 divisional round when he said he was going to cut the head off of Alex Smith and Frank Gore. I'm so sick of the New Orleans Saints. It's unbelievable. And yes, he's a great play caller, but when push comes to shove, why does Sean Payton always find himself in these dilemmas late in games where he's discombobulated and his team loses their emotion because he constantly loses his emotion. I'm telling you, this was huge loss for the Saints. They lose the inside track to a, a divisional game and having that bye. But for the 49ers, this was all about Jimmy Garoppolo. 350 yards, four touchdowns, the one interception off of Emmanuel Sanders' hands. He's doing this with a backup center. Weston Richburg was fantastic all year after hurting himself last year. You know, Ben Garland goes in there, and they didn't skip a beat. Emmanuel Sanders got Gashing him, Raheem Moser gashing him, the rookie Debo Samuels gashing him, and then the biggest play of the year. Fourth and two, you go to George freaking Kittle, and the animal turns it upfield and gets them in field position. This is a signature win of the Shanahan John Lynch era. All right, so here's my question, Joe. Are people out there loving Kittle more or Jimmy G more? Are there more Kittle jerseys being sold? or more Jimmy G jerseys being sold these days? Well, you ask my wife, my wife's going to tell you it's Jimmy Garoppolo by a landslide. But if you ask just the diehard fans that I see out in the stands, George Kittle is going to go down as one of the all-time 49er legends. And I mean this, and I'm not saying this without pause. I mean, my grandfather's 85 years old, goes all the way back to Keysar, 1946, when the team originated. He says to me, Joe, there's Patrick Willis, there's Bob St. Clair, there's Ronnie Lott, and there's George Kittle. Guys who could play in any era with any team at any time. George Kittle is a fan favorite. He's like a WWE superstar. The guy's an absolute hero to young fans. The old school fans love his grit, the way he blocks on the edge. He just does everything for this team. He's the Gronk 2.0 of today's day and age. And it's saying a lot to say that he could be the greatest tight end in 49er history. We have Brent Jones, Russ Francis. Don't forget, Vernon Davis had a hell of a career for the 49ers. 50 career touchdowns, uh, broke the, the individual touchdown record for the 49ers multiple times. And George Kittle's more talented and a better football player than Vernon Davis. And I hold Vernon Davis in unbelievably high regard. So, yeah, George Kittle is an absolute stud. But if you ask the ladies, I mean, it's Jimmy. Jesus, baby. Come on. Look at the man. He looks like Superman. <laughs> yeah, but if you ask the fellas, it's got to be George Kittle. And I'm trying to think of another image that really sums up what Kittle did to those three poor unsuspecting saints dragging them merciless, mercilessly down the field. It reminds me butcher boy, when I hit something on, on the highway accidentally and it hangs onto your back bumper and you hear it dragging down the road. <laughs> oh, it was a sad scene, but do you feel differently about this team? Yes. Jimmy Garoppolo put them on their shoulders, led them to win a hostile victory. What happened though to the defense? I mean, that is a ton of yards and points. 
Well, it's a combination of a couple of things. First off, they, ha they haven't played too many games on turf. I mean, that's that's number one. I, mean, I think the speed of the New Orleans Saints absolutely killed them. I also thought Drew Brees and Sean Payton did a fantastic job with the three-step drops. I mean, they, they got rid of the ball as fast as they possibly could. And it kind of went against the 49ers because they were playing soft zone coverage. And then if you notice in the second half, I mean, third quarter, they held them to three points. Uh, they completely adjusted. Now, late in the game, I think they were absolutely gassed. You got to remember, this three-game stretch was an unprecedented NFL schedule three-game press. You go up against the Green Bay Packers, then you go up against the Baltimore Ravens, and now the New Orleans Saints. And I just think that this team's winded. They, they spent the entire week on the East Coast in Florida. They were gassed in this one. What specifically is wrong with the defense? Everybody's hurt. I mean, they're missing D4. They're missing Quan Alexander, Jaquaski Tart, the quarterback of their uh, of their secondary was out. Richard Sherman was hobbling out. But you know what? It's next man up for this team. That's kind of been the story for the entire year. Dre Greenlaw steps in and looks phenomenal. DJ Jones coming with a huge punch out. Uh, Fred Warner, the senator, has just been absolutely just unbelievable. And then Nick Bosa. Even when he doesn't get to the quarterback, this guy's football IQ is through the roof. I'm telling you, he is the white Michael Strahan. He's chiseled out of granite. The guy is relentless. I've never seen a player who is constantly in position to make plays. He may not make the play every single time, but he's always in the backfield disrupting things. And then for the Saints, I mean, Michael Thomas is unstoppable. He might be the best wide receiver in the game right now. Size, speed, catch radius. I mean, he's a better A.J. Green, more physical player. He's unbelievable. I'm so impressed with him. And then I thought Latavius Murray ran the ball really, really, really hard. I just don't want to hear about Taysom Hill anymore. The guy, I mean, gee, the, the broadcast makes it out like Taysom Hill is the next Joe Montana. The guy, where was he in the final four minutes of that game? Don't talk about him like he's like he's going to come in and, and do something. And then in the final four minutes, when push comes to shove, the guy's on the sidelines. I'm so sick of hearing about Taysom Hill. I think the rest of America that's not Saints fans agrees with me on that one. You know, it's interesting, Joe, because we've talked before about maybe a, a little fair weather Niners fans. But in New Orleans this morning and after the game last night, they were talking about their frustration about how many Niners fans were in New Orleans yesterday. I, I mean, I, I don't know if you could tell. There were a lot of Niners red jerseys there. I thought it was a great showing by the Niners fans on the road. What does that say about them? Well, you know, you got to understand here, Ross, the, the, the 49ers are a sleeping giant. I mean, they're a West Coast juggernaut. In, in many respects, from the 80s through the 90s, they were the NFL's version of the Yankees. I mean, you're a great free agent. Richard Dent, we're going to bring you in. Ricky Jackson, we're going to bring you in. Deion Sanders, we're going to bring you in. And what ended up happening was the Raiders moved to L.A. And so not only did they take over the Northern California market, I mean, in, in essence, they took over the West Coast market. And then they had some down years. But you have generations of fans who grew up and Joe Montana and Steve Young and Jerry Rice were their favorite players. Many In many ways, just like how the Patriots are right now, where you have Patriot fans all all across the country because they've been so great for so long. And in the last five years, you know, we've been in hiding, to be totally honest for you. It's hard to go out and spend money and invest your emotion on a team that's winning two games a year, that's winning four games a year, that loses their quarterback after week three. So, yes, this is a sleeping giant.
playing a West Coast juggernaut. Look at the television ratings. They've had massive, massive numbers, not just here in San Francisco. I'm talking nationwide. And as far as them traveling, the 49ers have always, always, always traveled well. That, that's one of the sneaky things about this fan base. Problem is, is that when they stink, we don't even want to show up because it's the West Coast. There's, there's sun, there's golf, there's, you know, kids' soccer games. There's so many things that you can do here in San Francisco. If the team sucks, I have enough expendable money. Yeah, I don't have to go to the game, unfortunately. Not everybody's as diehard as me. But uh, but when they're winning, oh, believe me, we will wrap our arms around a winner. Look at the Golden State Warriors. I mean, when they were on top of the world, they're the biggest thing in sports. Have you heard about them this year? I think they're on three wins, like 19 losses, because there's so many other things that we can do out here because we're not snowed in, because we're not stuck on the couch. It's California, baby. Well, you got some good ones coming up. You got your old friend Dan Quinn and his former OC, Atlanta at home. And then you got the Rams, who look a lot better. And to finish out at Seattle, which could be the game of the year, could be with all the chips on the line, and whoever loses that game could, could fall to the fives. He doesn't have to go on the road. Looks like that right now is Seattle. Joe Shasky, it's been a pleasure as always. Congratulations and best of luck the rest of the way, my friend. Gentlemen, let me tell you, us San Francisco natives are going up to Seattle December 29th. I'm telling you, a caravan of us are already planning. Last minute, Ticketmaster, we're all over it. We're invading the state of Washington. Get ready for it. Oh, and by the way, the trip to Miami goes through Levi Stadium. Let's go, Niners! <laughs> We will definitely get you on the road in Seattle, but we'll talk to you before then. Good to see you, my friend. We're going to take a quick break here on Home and Home, and when we come back, we'll talk to Mark Herzlick, former New York Giants Super Bowl champion, Boston College Eagle, a cancer survivor. Ten years ago, his Giants play on Monday Night Football. So what does he want to happen now that Eli Manning is the starting quarterback? Because losing is the best path for the Giants, they want Chase Young. Winning would help Eli Manning perhaps have a better Hall of Fame resume. We'll talk to Herzlick and get us some life hack situations. Hour number two here on Home and Home. Hey guys, it's Ross Tucker from Home and Home. As you all know, hiring can be a challenge, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. Cafe El Toro COO Dylan Miskowitz experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. But then he switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. And you can too by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com enter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates faster. In fact, after posting his job to ZipRecruiter, Dylan said he was amazed by how quickly great candidates were applying and found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter, 
the smartest way to hire. Hi, everyone. This is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.